Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, if you would. We are in a series that we've been talking about being made what? New. Made new. Made, I'm glad this is the last one in the series since you didn't remember the title. Um, being made new. And we're talking about how our stories matter. How many of you know your story matters? Your neighbor's story matters. Your, the, the neighbor across the aisle, their story matters. And, and so we're going to talk this morning about how the rest of us matter, how that our story matters. There's 7.7 billion people on the planet. This last week, we were at a conference, our, our annual um, network conference, or used to be called District Council, where all the Assemblies of God churches in New Mexico meet together, uh, the leadership of those, and, and we have some meetings, and we, we have services together, and those kind of things. But we talked about how that our story matters, and I thought it was interesting. We've been in a series for weeks, and we get there, and the theme kind of throughout the, the whole conference is around the store, our story, how it matters. It matters. Well, there were a lot of people at that place, and I had two or three people come up to me and say, hey, Derek, how do you know everybody? And I'm like, I don't know everybody. In fact, I know very few of the 7.7 billion of us. There's only a handful of them. It seems like I know, but it does matter that I know them. Come on, everybody. And it matters that you know who you know, and it's important that we see this. It's important that we understand. And one thing is true is that many of those people are overlooked. Many of those people are undervalued. Many of them are, are just passed by, and I want, I want, if you feel that way today, and you walked in here, and you feel like you're overlooked, you feel like you're an unsung kind of person, right? The story of your life has never been sung out loud. The composition of who you are, it's, it's placed on a shelf, and it's put away, but it's not as popular as some of the other volumes. I want you to understand something. Your story matters. Your story matters. And, and I want to talk about three different groups of people for a moment about, about that, that I, th- I think are just categorized like this. I already mentioned one of them, the unsung. The unsung, the people that, whose lives, they just don't get much recognition at all. The unknowns. The unsung, the unknowns, and then the unseen. People who barely or basically get looked right past. What I'm getting at is what we see and what we don't see is an indicator of the, what is valuable to us, right? And we pay attention to what's important and what has value in our lives. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, is trying to retrain, retrain how we see people, how we see one another, the culture then and the culture now. If you have a lot of accolades, you get a lot of attention. Come on. But if you don't, you don't get much attention. You don't get much attention. I I, I think the who, when, what, where, and how, and the whom we celebrate and, and give value to is what Jesus is often shining the light on. And I think it's important that we lean into that and see who, who does Jesus value Who does he pay attention to? Who does he shine a light on? 
One thing that I love throughout this series, we've, we've talked about, we've talked about um, we don't get to control human history. How many of you know that? We don't control it, but we don't, we don't control who history mem- remembers, but we all get to decide whether or not we put our shoulder under what really matters. Come on, everybody. Are you with me today? We, we, get to, we get to support, we get to come alongside, we get to, to, to carry what truly matters. And our, our, our names might not ever land in the spotlight. Our, our names, um, um, but our, they're, they're integrally ro- woven into the fabric of the, the people around us, and that matters. That ch- it changes everything. I want you to understand, the kingdom work of God doesn't rest on the gifts and talents of a few. But the collective of all of us, the church doesn't exist for the gifts and talents of a few. It's a collective work. It's the the sacrifice of many people. Come on, everybody. And and that's the way it's always been. In Scripture, as in life, we have many people who are known and we have people who are unknown. We see a, a guy named Paul who is known. We know a lot about the, the Apostle Paul, right? We know a lot about him. But today, and, and we've looked at this guy before, but it's been a few years ago, I want to turn the spotlight on somebody who's a little bit less known because his story matters, just like Paul's story matters. In fact, can I say it like this way? Paul's story would have never been told had it not been for people who we don't know. Do you realize that? Colossians chapter 1, I'm just going to briefly cover, then we're going to jump down in, into, into chapter 4. But Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, so this, there's, I want you to understand, there's structure, there's leadership, there's authority. He says, my name is right there in the first of the letter, right? There's some, there's some chronological, there's some, there's some order to what's happening here, what he's explaining, right? Why did the people need to know that? Why did they, because they needed to know that the letter is coming with the full authority of Christ, so Paul kind of gives his credentials at the beginning of his writings. You'll see this is a, is a proverbial thing in his world. It's not an opinion. This is God's design. This is God's plan. This is, this is God-designed authority from heaven. And if this is what's going to carry the weight, it's going to have to carry to this place called Colossae. And where, where it was intended. It needed a visible name in the opening line. You understand that? In the kingdom of heaven, this is not in your notes, it's just, I'll just throw it out there. There's visibility and viability. If, if it's not viable, it won't, the visibility won't matter. Are you with me? Okay? If it's not visible and known, then people won't, there's no viability, there's no, there's no credential that's leading that, that causes people to lean in and understand where we're headed. So there's always going to be part of the story. There's going to be visibility and viability. But the problem with the culture is that it, is, it, it always wants a superstar, our culture now and their culture then, it always wants a superstar to, to push to the top and forget about everybody else. We know head coaches' names. We don't know assistants' names. Right? We know the starting five. We don't know the bench players. Come on, that give the starting five the breath back so that they can continue being a what? A superstar, right? Yes? 
We know the headlining act. We don't know the band that comes before them. Sometimes they're awful. Sometimes they're better than the band. I've been to those concerts. Have you? You're like, man, bring those guys back out here. Nobody knew them. Their t-shirts are even cheaper. Come on, everybody. Love it. But I, I, I want to just say this. God's not that way. So yes, there's visibility, but there's also the sacrifice of the many. So in Colossians chapter 4, we see here, verse, verses four th- or 7 through 18, he lists the unknown people. If you want to do a study, look at some unknown people. You know, you remember the Paul Harvey rest of the story back in the day? Yeah, this is the rest of the story. This is a section of scripture that's almost always overlooked. Because it's people we don't know. It's hard to know about what we don't know. Come on, everybody. And, but God, God put these people in and celebrating the lesser known, but extraordinary people who beautifully carried the cause of Christ, then they faithfully filled his church. These are the people. And God sees and loves all of us playing our part. Okay, so I don't want anybody here to ever feel like, ah, my part's not as big to play as other people. You know, I'm not, on the, I'm not on the platform or the stage very much. Listen, you don't ever have to get on the stage to play a massive role in what is happening. Come on, everybody. Never. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. I don't even know how to pronounce this first dude's name. We'll call him T. Titus or something like that, will tell you all the news about me. This is Paul talking. He says he's a dear brother and a faithful minister of a, and fellow servant in the Lord. Paul is saying here, I love this guy. You need to listen to this guy. This isn't, the job, this isn't a job to us, but he's, he, says, he says on top of that, listen, he's faithful. He's faithful. Verse 8, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul is saying of him that he is what? He's, a, he's an encourager, right? He's a messenger sent by Paul to encourage. And he says, I want, I want, to, I want you to be encouraged that you may know about our current circumstances, that he may encourage you. He is coming with a guy named Onesimus. Say Onesimus. Our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, important to know, they will tell you everything that is happening here. Now, this guy Onesimus is pointed out as a faithful, dear brother to me. Paul is saying that. He's like, hey, this guy's close. So we know he's a follower of who? Jesus. He is, we know he's with Paul. He's faithful and working alongside of Paul. And he's in the inner circle, the inner workings of the ministry with Paul, of someone who God has chosen, that is Paul, God has chosen Paul to make a visible leader in the church. Yes? In other words, he has what? He has leadership. Say leadership. You understand something. If you don't have, if you, you don't have, you're not a leader if you don't have influence. you want to know if you're leading something, turn around. If no one's with you, you're just out for a walk. Okay? You're not leading nothing. Right? There's occasionally, occasionally, my dog won't even come with me. Okay? 
So please understand what's happening here. So Paul's pointing to him. He's giving us credentials about this guy. It says, unless, but unless you dig a little deeper, you, you don't know any more. Because that is what is said. Listen, I encourage you to dig in to the pages of Scripture and find out about those who we know very little about. Come on, everybody. Don't just keep going back to the highlighted stories and those things that you know all the details of, which, by the way, as I grow older and and, and study the word more, I understand more and more about the stories that I thought I knew every detail of if you just look at it from every angle and dig into the background. But I, I encourage you, don't just go back and dig through the stories you know. Go to other ones. So let's talk about this book of Colossians. This letter has a major purpose. It was a very strategic place in Asia Minor, this place called Colossae. Okay, And it was being compromised with both relational friction and in, inside of that there was some theological drift as well. People were not sticking to what, what Jesus had taught. Okay. So Paul is going to address both things. The theological drift was, was what people were coming up with. They were saying all sorts of things. They were saying things like this. We have to observe both the old Testament law and couple that with the grace of God to find salvation. And Paul wanted to address that and say, this isn't works. The gospel is not based on works. The law, the works of the law plus the grace of God is the grace of God for salvation, okay? It's not one or the other. It's not we're casting out the old, we're embracing the new. It's both and. Come on, everybody. So, so they were saying, well, we're also, we're all also, there were also people saying that there were a higher secret layer or level of spiritual knowledge that you could attain. Paul wanted to debunk that as well, Right? There are also people that were, saying, were teaching the worship of angels and who were denying the deity of Christ. You, see, you still see in the world today the worship of angels. And Paul, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, addresses this in this letter. And in the first days of the church, okay, it was vital, as it still is today, to address these type of things. When people get off course, because all these things are still being used by Satan to distract and destroy the church. You've got to understand that. Like, like people saying, yeah, Jesus is great, but you have to add works into it, right? Jesus is good, but you got to add works. Or saying, the, saying angels are personal to you, and you have a personal angel that goes with you. It's not biblical, okay? I know, I know some of you right now, you're like, oh, you're going to offend her. Well, she doesn't exist, so I haven't. Okay? Hello? By the way, the angels you find in Scripture are all men. Just throwing that out there. But um, sometimes people say angels are personal, and you have your angel from God, and the no harm shall come to you, and then feathers will appear because of their presence in your life. Not biblical, okay? Feathers appeared because a cat ate lunch. A bird was murdered. That's why feathers appeared. Help me. Come on. I just wish I could have seen it. So Onesimus, say Onesimus. Who is he? 
Who is this guy? Paul calls him a, you, you ready to do some Bible study today? Today I'm just doing Bible study with you. You cool with that? Okay. Onesimus is a faithful brother. That's what Paul calls him. We know he's one of you. He's from Colossae. He's, from, he's one of you, okay? Now remember, Paul at this time is in Rome, and he's under house arrest, sending a message back to the church in, in, in this city, and Onesimus is there with him, and Paul mentions him because he would have known him. He, he knew him very well, but Onesimus had, had been a slave to a rich man in Colossae named Philemon, Okay? He'd been a slave to Philemon, and in this time in history, people had slaves in their home and in their business, and Onesimus was a slave to one of the leaders in the church in Colossae, but had run away from there and was in Rome. So he had escaped and run away, and he was in Rome, and in Rome, he he maybe finds freedom, right? So he goes to Rome, but, but somehow his path crosses with this guy named Paul in chains, okay? Paul is arrested. He's in chains. So either he's working in the prison or he's doing ministry from the inside, much like Paul is, okay? And he's locked up for something. We don't know, okay? All we know is that they met in prison. And in prison, Paul leads Onesimus to faith in Jesus. He shares his faith while still being bound in chains, while still being thrown away by still being one who's unsung and unknown. At this time, Paul, in the prison, what does he do? He speaks to the unsung and the unknown, and he, he witnesses the faith of Jesus Christ to him, and this man follows in faith. He gives his life to Jesus. He saw the purpose and plan of God's kingdom, right? That's what's going on. He became a co-worker with Paul while still in chains. And now Paul is sending him back to the town where he came from. Isn't that awesome? How, how so different that is from the modern day world of Christianity that we live in, right? I feel called and led to ministry. Well, where can we send you in the world? Anywhere but your hometown where people know you, you know the culture, you fit in really well already. That might be a good move. Come on, everybody. Yes? Come on. I help churches all over the, the, the state try to find pastors who are pastors who are transitioning out of a church and going somewhere else. And, and we try to find churches or pastors to fill that position. And a lot of times church boards want to look everywhere else but closer to home. And I tell all of them this. Just understand, you might get somebody like that, but they're there for one or two or three years. Why? Because they get homesick. Right? They, t- they, don't, they don't have that local flavor of the foods that they like. Come on. I'll just tell you right now, look at me. Food will drive you to do some stuff. Right? Cause you to lean in. Cause you to go to some places. Spend some time. This is a big deal. Paul's sending him back to the town where he comes from. And, and a lot of friction when the church leader's slave comes back home. Think about it. He had escaped. He had ran away. He's now coming through, back through the door, having been saved under the ministry of Paul, who has authority and name recognition, visibility and viability. Come on. And who has authority in the church in Colossae. This could get tense. I can feel the, I can feel the rumblings. 
People are leaning over before service. Do you see who just walked in? Did you notice? He's back. So Paul gives us another letter. Turn to the right just a few pages. You find the book of Philemon. Philemon, however you want to pronounce it. So we have Colossians to address the theological drift. Paul then writes the book of Philemon to address the relational friction happening in the church. But you to understand something. God's word always will always speak to what we need to hear. I didn't get one amen. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Appreciate that for letting us know. I'm just telling you, God's word will address what we need to hear. Yes? Absolutely. And as long as there are people, we're going to have problems, okay? We're going to have problems. There's always going to be some relational friction in the church because there's people in the church. In fact, the church is people, okay? By the power of the Holy Spirit and the nature of the gospel, there should be a way to solve people problems. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. God addresses this very thing. Philemon is a, is a, is a one-chapter gift from God to the church to help address people problems. So when you have people problems, I didn't say if, when you have them, I encourage you to turn there and apply what you read because it will help your current situation. In fact, let's read it together. How about it? Philemon chapter one, verse one, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother to Philemon and a dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apha, something, our, our sister in Archippus, our fellow soldier into the church that meets in your home. They had a life group, right? Jesus likes life groups. And verse three, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God as, my, as I remember you in my prayers, I thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all of his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of the very good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Now, do you, do you see how, how that means so much more now that you know what's going on in Colossae? Welcome to Bible study. You see it? Because if you'd have read that before, you'd have been like, it's disjointed, it's weird, right? But now that you know, now that you see, now that you're aware, before the Holy Spirit had Paul address these things, right? Incredible. Verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. This is a little tricky here. I'll, I'll break it down. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. You see where he's going here? You see where he's going? He, he says this, I could make you do it, but I'm not going to make you do it. Then in a few minutes, I'm going to make you do it by not making you do it so that you'll want to do it. It's parenting genius by the way. 
This is none other than Paul himself being a master communicator. But I want you to understand, at this point, he is an old man and a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why do you say a prisoner of Christ Jesus? Because he's a prisoner because of his faith in Christ Jesus. He's not his own, but he's bought with a price. The price of who? The shed blood of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. He has given his life, even in bondage, even in change. He has given his chains, not change, even in his freedom. He has given that up so that he can be a slave for Christ Jesus so that some may know the Savior of the world. Just remember... Philemon, I'm your boss, and I'm old, and I'm a prisoner. <laughs> okay? Verse 10. That's what he's saying here. He says, verse 10, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. Now, question. Was he his biological son? No. This is a spiritual son. This is one who's coming after Paul. Paul is raising him up. He's discipling him. He's pouring into him. He's giving him the knowledge that he possesses. He's, he's allowing him to walk along the road with him. He's allowing him to, to be, he was in, in fact, he was in prison with him. Whether a guard or locked up with him, we don't know. But he was with him to the point where Onesimus came close enough that Paul was willing and able to share his faith in Christ so compelling enough that, that what? That Onesimus did what? He gave his life to Jesus. Incredible. I, I wonder how many prisoners have led guards to the Lord. Come on. Other prisoners to the Lord. That's what's going on right here. He says, I appeal to you, my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. Wow. Unsung. Unknown and unseen. Useless. You ever felt that way? For sure. Sometimes in the middle of the most packed out rooms. Useless. Sometimes that just comes upon you. It is an attack from Satan himself. He says, formerly he was useless to you. Why did Paul call him that? Why? Because his life was one of uselessness to the world around him. He was offering nothing productive. Especially that of his faith. He had nothing to give. Come on. Nothing to give. We've been given a gift, everybody. Amen. We've been given a gift. The gift of Christ Jesus. The gift of faith to, to, to live for him. To, 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 to share him with the world. So important. He says this. Formerly he was useless, but now. Now. Now he's become useful to both you and me. And I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. And I love Paul's heart. So that any favor that you would... You, the, the, 
you would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. I want you to see something. The stakes are high here. Yes? Onesimus could show back up in Colossae and Philemon could either submit to the authority of Paul through him or just kill him. For remember, at one time he was a slave to him. Verse 16. Paul addresses this. No longer a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother to the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, Paul is saying, check this out. If you really, cons- if you really value our connection, if you consider me a partner, what's he doing? He's leveraging his what? His influence. Come on, visibility and viability. He's leveraging his influence and he says here he says if you consider me a partner welcome him as you welcome me as as if he has done you any wrong and or owes you anything charge it to me wow i'll say this i'm sorry i'll say the apologies i'll pay what needs to be paid i'll do what needs to be done that's a true friend come on somebody that's a true friend that's somebody who gets it not somebody who's like, oh, oh, man, I didn't, that's him. How many of you know you got a lot of those people in your life? Right? Come on. He says, charge it to me, Paul says. Verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you, that you owe me your very self. I love Paul, man. He, he is willing to leverage. Come on, everybody. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from the Lord, from, from you in the Lord. I re- refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. I love it. This is bold faith. In who? An unknown. But he'd become known to who? To Paul. He was not an unknown to Paul. He was not an unsung character to Paul. He was not someone who didn't have any value to Paul. He had equal value as Paul to Paul. Are you with me? And Paul is leaning in And saying to this church, saying to this group of people, he says, when he shows up, value him. For he is there because I have sent him. He comes with the authority that God has placed in me, and I am sending along with him. Man, how many of you love to have some folks like that in your world? Right? In other words, you show up with other people's credentials, opening the doors for you and leading the way for you. Come on, everybody. Listen, when my children arrive somewhere, I need to have lived my life in such a way that when my kids knock on the door, the door opens, not because of their accolades, but because I have sent them. Come on, somebody. Well, is that negative on them? No, they have plenty of time to attain their own. 
But we open doors and we lead and we help people from here to here. Come on. And we see value and we trust and we, we place our value in God, in them. And we trust God with them. We trust God with the people that we send them to. Because we feel like we know that God himself will do what? His work in and through their lives. Listen, he's believing that Philemon is going to go above and beyond. So Onesimus is teaching us some things here about God. Are you ready? Three things quickly. Number one, write it down. Number one, don't ever count God out. Don't ever count God out. Don't count him out, right? He was a slave. He didn't even have rights. He had no place in society. He had no hope. Don't ever count God out. You might be in the depths today, but I promise you that this very that you very much you are very much on God's radar right now, and God wants to raise you up in, to a very significant place in history. Or you might be you, you might think I'm I'm going to run from everything in my past. I'm going to run from I'm going to run from anything I might that I, I think might temporarily fulfill me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run away and I'm gonna find what I'm looking for. How many of you have done that? Yep. I'm gonna find what I'm, listen, God is what you're looking for. He is who you're looking, he is who you need. And God sees you in your condition even now. Come on. You might, you might be thinking right now that there won't be any more inspired scripture written. It's all done. But in the history of faith and in the life of the church, listen, there may be people thinking about writing your story as a testimony of the goodness and grace of God. Your story matters. Your influence carries weight. Come on. Onesimus, if you'd have told him as a slave that one of the 27 books in the New Testament would be written about him, that Onesimus, listen to me, Paul's going to pin your story, the greatest author that's ever lived, he's going to pin your story, and God is going to use you to speak to the church and into the church, into the cultural dynamic of, of slavery as a whole, of all generations. Onesimus wouldn't believe it. Don't ever count God out. Don't count him out. God can do a lot with a little, yes? Philemon chapter 1, verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and me. <laughs> that is a difficult verse, isn't it? Formerly, nah. Now, wow! Wouldn't want him on another team, Right? Glad he's with me. Like, I, so useful. Like, so, such a part, right? Formerly, this guy's not contributing anything to the greater good. He's, he's not advancing any eternal cause. By the way, if you're advancing the cause and it's not eternal, you're doing nothing but amassing for you. But now... 
by the transforming power of the gospel. He who was useless to you has now become useless, useful to me and you as well. That's why it's pretty amazing. The name Onesimus means useful. <laughs> wow. Coincidence? Maybe not. It's God's fulfilled promise. And he'll do it again and again and again and again. Come on, everybody. Again and again. Next thing we learn from his life is this. Number two, the kingdoms of this world are subservient to the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world are subservient to the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that society may say it's okay to have slaves, but God says all men are created equal. Therefore, as kingdom people, we don't go by the letter of the law. Even if we could, we do not. We work by the spirit that shows us that every man and every woman is created equal under God. And we're no longer slaves, but we've been set free to cover one another. Because it's in our collective connection that God brings power. Paul speaks to this, and he doesn't condone the legal structure. His mission isn't to charge the legal structure. His mission is to preach the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a higher calling than addressing every political woe that may, may ruffle your feathers. We've been called and sent by God himself as missionaries into a world not to proclaim what is wrong, but to point everyone to who is right. We have the power of God in our lives. So listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're filled with fear about the government and the values of what we know, please know you do not have to be gripped with fear because you can be filled with the power of Jesus to change the hearts of people which will far, and surpass, far surpass any laws that might be put in place. It would change people's hearts by when Jesus changes them. Listen, it, it changes everything. Onesimus wasn't just sent back to Philemon to, to, to rub it in his face that he got away with running. Ha! You tried to catch me, I got away. God sent him back as a testimony of God's faithfulness. Can you imagine if you're, if you're big boy O and Paul says, you need to go back over there. Wait, what? I ran. I escaped. I don't want, if I go back, they have legal right to kill me on the spot. That's a problem for me, Paul. What did he say? What did he say? We don't know what he said, but we know what he did. Can I, can I just say this? That's way more important than knowing what he said. Can I say something abrasive to you as your pastor? Way fewer people need to know what you think. They need to watch what you do. I knew I wouldn't get an amen. I didn't set out to get an amen. I knew I didn't get one. It's okay. I'm going to go to sleep tonight knowing that God said that to me, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. 
the gospel can bring that same power to people today. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we need in America today. Changing laws doesn't change hearts. Doesn't change hearts. People were discriminated against in this country for so long, and then the law changed. For many in our nation, the heart stayed the same. The gospel is what changes the hearts of men and women. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts that we know him, that we're close to him, that the redeemer of the world is, is literally, the spirit of God is on the inside of us living and active and breathing. And at work to get, listen, close, listen, look at me, to change us. Because it's not the world that's broken. It's us. If your concentration is on everything else that's broken, You need to hear the gospel again. We should pursue justice, but laws won't change the heart. The hope of America isn't simply that laws would change. It's that Jesus changed and awakens the hearts of his people. Come on, everybody. This is about the transformational power of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the, the hope that transformed Paul from an enemy to an author of hope. Right? Transformed Onesimus from a slave to someone set free in a carrier of the gospel. Transformed Philemon from a master of men to a fellow servant of men. It's the power of God on display in all of our lives. Number three. No role is too small in the story of God. No role is too small in the story. There's no such thing as God thinking, thinking you do something insignificant in his, in his body. Everything that God asks you to do has eternal potential on it. Never despise where you are. Come on. Never let the woe is me set root in you. Come on. And, and, and if you're a visible leader, listen, recognize the greater we and use the we more than the me. If you're on the other side of that equation and you feel less than, listen, if God has given you the role you're in, you've got all the recognition you need because he has put something in your hands with the potential to change the world. Don't despise small beginnings. You know what my first position in the church was? I was the janitor. Come on. I loved it. I really did. I dug it. It was a cool job. You know why? No one was there to interfere with me. Because we don't vacuum the church during a Sunday service. Right? The only time I didn't like it is when our pastor would scare me. And our pastor would scare me. I was, a, I was a teenage kid, and he would hide up in the, in the second story of the church. And, and part of the building wasn't yet finished out, so there was, there was just stud walls, no sheetrock. Back then, we used paneling. How about that, everybody? We didn't have sheetrock as much as 
panel, wood paneling. It was ugly. It was ugly. And I remember Hal Swartzendruber was his name. I love him dearly. I really do. He was a great man of God, but he, he loved to scare me. It was kind of a chink in his armor, scaring children. <laughs> Powerful man of God, loved to scare kids. He didn't put that on a resume. And I reached in the I reached in the, the 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 room to turn the light on, and you know th- there was no cover plate on the plug. It was like if you if you shoved your finger in the wrong way, you'd get shocked. You know, so you're kind of gently reaching around the corner to turn the switch on, and I, I turned the switch on, and Hal pulled me in the room. I caught him with a right cross right on the end of the chin, and I dropped him. Out like a light. I thought, oh dear God, I killed the preacher. I think you get a fast pass to hell for that deal. (laughs) He never scared me again. In fact, at the afterglows, who remember who remembers the afterglow? Anybody? Afterglow was like a fellowship dinner after the Sunday night service, and all the sandwiches were cut on the bias. You remember them? 18 types of egg salad that nobody liked. The paprika sprinkled on the edges. Right? This one lady in our church made cream bologna sandwiches. From an early age, I started to despise bologna. We had every kind of weird sandwich on the planet. Why are Christian people eat weird sandwiches? Still a question, I'm going to ask Jesus. We eventually got to the point where we did away with the sandwiches and we'd have like chili dinners, chili cook-offs, right? I'm like leaning into that. Way better than the egg salad. I don't know where I'm going from here. Oh, I do remember. I was just going to say one more thing about Brother Hal. I remember one night at the, at the, at the afterglow, I, me and Hal arrived at the table at the same time, and I just looked at him and went, he just backed up. <laughs> he don't want no more, Tobe. Just kidding. Took out the trash, vacuumed the floor. Scrub pee off the wall. We had a urinal that was like a little bitty urinal. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Men got a hard enough time. Come on, everybody. Little men is even worse. I didn't even consider it ministry. Come on. Helped in kids' church with my mom and dad. Came up through the youth group, was a youth leader in our youth group. Then occasionally our youth pastor would let me preach or sing a song or do a skit. 
something goofy, right? Lead a game. What am I getting around to? I'm getting around to this. Don't despise any opportunity that God has given you to serve his people. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter how. You see it as an eternal gift to the body of Christ and you love people well. Y'all good? I'm going to press on just for a couple more minutes. One more more thing I want to point out here. This guy named T that we started with, remember? Tychus, something like that. He's a fellow minister with Paul. They're in house arrest together, serving people together in the inner circle. But one, once the Holy Spirit leads Paul to write the book of Colossians to address the theological drift they were experiencing, Paul then hands to this most trusted person that you don't know anything about. He hands the manuscripts to him. And he says, I need you to take these parchments to the church in Colossae. Make sure Philemon and the other, other leaders get them and read them to the church. Now, I want you to think about this. Before we move on, I want you to think about it. How easily could it have been for him to say, are you kidding me? Ain't your messenger. I'm not traveling over there. I'm not a letter carrier. They didn't know it was the Bible. He didn't know. It was the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God. But when he handed it to Tychus, he did what every follower of Jesus would do. He said, if this is what the kingdom of God needs me to do, if this is the role someone needs me to play, I'm going to take these parchments and I'm going to Colossae and you can trust me. Whatever it takes, I'll get it done. And he never knew that the living, breathing, Holy Spirit, God-inspired, never changing, ever fading, people-building word of God was in his messenger bag. He didn't know. He just said yes. Don't despise what's in your bag. If God asks you to carry it, carry it like you're carrying the word of God to the end of the world. For we do not know what is God, what God has put in our possession. And I love that the church is filled with people. This church, you're filled with people whose hearts are just like that. We need people to serve. Okay, I'll serve. We need people to share. Okay, I'll share. We need people to give. Where do you need it? I want to give. I want to serve. I want to care. I want to help lead. I want to step in. I don't know. I don't feel equipped. But God said, there's a deed. I want to fill the need. Church, this is my heart today. It's been my heart for years. We have to continue to put our foot on the pedal and pursue what God is asking us to do here at a greater level than it's being done. That will require more from all of us.
or it will break a few of us. This little book of Colossians has changed our world, changes our life. It's, a, it's the stories, guys. It's stories like what we heard. It's the stories like you've been telling. Changes it all. We read in Colossians 1 about God rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and brought, bringing the kingdom of his son who, who we love so much. Forgiveness has come with him. The, the supremacy of Jesus in chapter 1, all these things are created by him, for him. In him, he holds it all together. Amen. The end of that passage, we have peace with God through his blood shed on a cross. Chapter three, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth because you're dead and your life is hidden with God. When Christ appears, you will also appear with him in glory. We wouldn't exist without that. 317, and whatever you do in the word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He breaks down every barrier culturally, right? There's neither male or female, neither Jew or Greek, slave or free. In Christ, we are all in him. I love Colossians. It changes our life. Come on, everybody. Thank you, Onesimus. Thank you, Tychus, for carrying the word of God and delivering it to the church. What looked like an insignificant thing changed us all. Church history says that after Paul died, Onesimus gathered all of his letters together. Onesimus gathered all the letters of Paul together, the letter to Rome, the letter to the Corinthians, Thessalonians, a couple to Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. He brings all the letters and delivers them to the early church fathers who authenticated them in the process of creating the canon of the word of God. An unknown, unsung hero of the world. Come on, everybody. Maybe today, maybe today, it's time for you to say, you know, there was a time where someone brought me the scripture. Someone handed me the gospel of Jesus. Someone brought me just an invitation to a place where I heard the life-giving message of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And I realized he could save my very own soul. And so I've given my life to him. Maybe there's some of you this morning that that's the day for you is now that you're going to do that. You're going to step over that line of faith and say, I'm going to surrender everything to the Lordship of Jesus. I am not my own, for I've been bought with a price. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Maybe today, you're just going to get the inspiration of an unsung, unknown, and sometimes unwanted person in your life that's going to rise up. Maybe that's been you, and you're going to declare over your life today, there is something that God is doing on the inside of me that I've got to tell somebody about. There's a letter in my bag that needs to be shared with the world. There's a story written on my heart that's got to be expressed. There's a song that I've
you got to sing. And maybe you'll begin to share your story. That's what this series has been about. So our stories change it all. Come on, everybody. What God has done in and through us as we tell those things changes the world. I feel a very calming spirit of God just rest upon this house today. And here's what I want to do. I want you to stand to your feet, if you would. And listen, today, I don't want a bunch of fanfare. I don't want to, I, I, I don't even want today, I don't even want you to walk out of your seat and come to the front. Here's what I want you to do. By the way, we love that around here. We love it when people respond and come, right, as an act of faith. But today, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to respond today by walking forward. I want you to respond today by walking that way. And taking the story with you. Sharing the story with your friends, with your family, with your neighbors. What is God doing on the inside of you currently? What is he doing in the inside of people within our church? You can go share every one of these stories with people around you. You can tell the story. You can say, listen, you've got to understand there are some things taking place in the lives of people. God has visited us. He's been with us. He's saved people's lives. He's resurrected the difficult, painful, tragic things have happened in the lives of people. And he is there with them still. Have you been made new? If not, today's your day. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that your sins can be forgiven and your life can be saved. You can be a son or daughter of God. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.